This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. A pastor and his wife, as they were approaching retirement, decided that they were going to make a pact, that they were going to try to save money. Um, They were going to not eat out as much, you know, like a lot of us are finding ourselves doing that these days. But one of the things that they were going to do is they had a couple temptations, each of them. Uh, The pastor loved books, as is common, uh, and he loved his technology. It's also a vice of mine. His wife loved to shop. She loved clothing, and so she had beautiful things in her closet. So they both decided that they were going to sort of put these things aside, resist these temptations in order to try to save their money so they could retire a little more comfortably than they could have at that moment. So one day the pastor is working in his study in the the parsonage, and his wife comes home, and she comes walking in wearing this brand new, beautiful red dress and carrying the shopping bag. And the pastor looks up from his study as she walks in and he's like, well, wait, what is that? I, th- I thought we had an agreement. I thought that we agreed that we were going to try to save money. And his wife said, yeah, I know. She said, but I was walking in the store and I saw this dress on the mannequin. I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna try it on, maybe take a picture with my phone and just have a picture. So she says, so I try it on and I'm looking at myself in the mirror and she's like, and I look really good in this dress. The pastor's like, well, I, I can't disagree with that because he knew better. He said, I, I, you know, I, I agree. You do look really good in that dress. But, but did you try what we talked about, that when we were tempted to spend money that we don't have, to say, get behind me, Satan? And uh, she said, yeah. She said, you know, I tried it on, and I was standing in the store, and I said, you know, get behind me, Satan. And she said, and, and the pastor's like, all right, and, and, and what happened? She's like, well, he said, it looks good from back here, too. <laughs> But today's scripture uh, is the temptation of Jesus. It's what we commonly call the temptation of Jesus, found in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And one of the things that we see is this actually follows Jesus' baptism. Um, So we see Jesus baptized by John, and then right after that, this is the next passage of scripture, is Jesus being led into the wilderness. And we read in verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Something that's easy to overlook in this very first verse is how Jesus got there. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, we often think as Christians that we are are somehow insulated from temptation, that temptations aren't going to come our way, that as long as we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that nothing bad is going to happen to us. And if you believe this, there's a man named Job that would like to have a word with you. Because what we see is Jesus' temptation is similar to what we read in the book of Job. We see that like Job, God allowed Jesus to be tempted. God himself did not do the tempting. He did not tempt Jesus. Same thing with Job. God himself did not tempt Job. And the same is true for us. There will be times when we find ourselves being tested. There will be times that we find ourselves in the wilderness. We'll have trials and temptations. And God allows these things to happen because he uses them to refine us. 
God does not cause these things. Actually, James 1.13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. These things happen not because God doesn't love us, but in fact, it's the opposite. God loves us and God wants us to become better versions of ourselves. So us going through these temptations, God allowing these trials and temptations, he allows them to refine us. Just like gold has to go through the fire so that the impurities can be sort of melted out of it, we have to go through the fire so that we too can be refined. And as difficult as they may be, they act to remove the parts of us, the things of our, in us that don't belong there so that we can become as God intends us to be. But something else that we can learn from the temptation of Jesus is that Satan often comes to us when we are at our weakest. Notice we read that it was after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry it could be when we're worn down, we're tired, we're frustrated, we're, we're angry, we're lonely, or any other number of things. When we are at our weakest, Satan will come for us. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5.8 that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I remember as a child watching Mutual of Omaha. Remember those back in the, I'm dating myself now with, um, was it Marlon Perkins? Yeah. That, had, that did that. And, and one of the things we always learn from watching those is that whenever, whenever an animal is, is going after a herd of animals, they always go for the weakest, the smallest, the one that's tired and worn down. And that's the one that they always end up striking. And the devil does this when we are weak and we are tired and we are torn down. That's when Satan comes for us. But that's why it's important that we're aware of our physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional state. And that's why it's important for us to, to take an inventory of these things and know how to counter when these areas are lacking. Because the best way for us to fight the negative is to intentionally seek the positive. So if you're tired, then you take a rest. If, if you're frustrated, find a healthy release. I play drums. I go. I have electric drums and I, I beat them. Um, if you're lonely, reach out to someone if you're hungry, have a Snickers. <laughs> but it's important for us to also seek God in these moments through worshiping, reading your Bible, or praying. Because even though God may allow these things to happen, that doesn't mean God's not going to be there to help us through those things. Something we also learned from Jesus' temptation is that while it was unique to him because of his divinity, a lot of what he was tempted with are not unlike those things that we are tempted with as well. Jesus' temptations were based upon his unique divinity and invoking the power that was available to him. And it's interesting that I just noticed this, um, is that it was when the, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him after his baptism that then Satan comes to him and he's tempted to use that power for evil. Because what Satan was doing was inviting Jesus to sort of skip to the end of the story. He was kind of saying, Jesus... All this power you have now, you know, you don't have to endure all this stuff that's coming your way. You don't have to endure all of these bad things. Just skip to the end. Take that power for yourself. Command the angels. Do this. Do that. He was asking Jesus to skip the bad stuff, skip the crucifixion, the resurrection, and, and get to the good stuff. And Jesus' first temptation was hunger. Satan says to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
See, we are often tempted to follow the hungers that we have. Jesus' answer is, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. One of the things we have to realize is that there is more to this life than the tangible things, the things that we can see, the things that we can touch, and the things that we can feel. There's more than we can collect and store and bank. And it's not that food or possessions are a sin. I mean, we need them to survive. The danger comes when we make these things an idol and everything in our lives becomes about pursuing more of them. And we place too much importance on these things. The next temptation that we see Jesus go through goes like this. It says the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. In case you don't know, Satan is actually quoting Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12. But he's taking it out of context. It says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. One of the things that I want us to realize is that simply quoting scripture does not make you a believer. Satan was quoting scripture. Probably one of my biggest frustrations is those who will quote scripture, usually out of context, because they're trying to fool people into thinking how spiritual they are. But then when you step back and look at their behavior the rest of the time, it doesn't go with what's coming out of their mouths. We have a lot of politicians that are really good at this, especially around holidays. Don't be duped that just because somebody can quote scripture means that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember, I've said it for the last three and a half years. How do we tell if somebody has a relationship with Jesus? What do we look for? The fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience. We look for the fruit of the Spirit, not what they can quote. But something else that also frustrates me is when people do take Scripture out of context. And we take, they'll take them out of context and then use them to beat people over the heads. You know, those clobber Scriptures, those clobber, clobber passages. For instance, a good example of this is, and it's, it's cold, so I've got long sleeves, but you've seen my tattoo. Psalm, or Psalm, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I got this as a reminder because I want to remember that Jesus gives me the strength to make it through the trials and temptations that I have, that that Jesus makes it, helps me make it through the hard things in life. I didn't get it to remind me that Jesus is going to let me pick my car up if I go outside right now. It's out of context. Jesus will give us the strength to make us, make it through things. And he is there to help us. We must always look at the context of any scripture so that we're not taking it to mean something it doesn't. So if you see somebody quoting scripture and you're like, oh, wait a second, they seem a little iffy to me. Open your Bible, look what's in front of it, look what's behind it, look at the context, the who, what, why, when, where, all of those sorts of things. Those things that we learned, if you've ever done journalism, you know those are always important. But look at the context of when it was said. Look at the, the cultural context of, of when it was said back then. And make sure that it's not being taken out of of context. But the other thing that this kind of reminds us is that God does not exist to serve us. God is there to help us in our time of need. But God's not going to follow us around 
fixing us, fixing our mistakes. It's, it's not like when you had kids were little and they were toddlers and you followed them around just picking. You didn't do that. You just let them make the mess and then you went around and tried to pick up as you went because otherwise it would be a full-time job. The same is true for God with us. If God followed me around and cleaned up all the mistakes I made, he wouldn't get anything else done. Some of you could probably say the same thing. You know who you are. If God was just here to fix the stupid stuff I did, that's all God would be doing. God is there to help us through our mistakes. God is help us there to help us after we make mistakes. But God's not there to clean up our mess. We're going to have consequences of our actions. This is why Jesus answered him, and it's all also written, do not put Lord your God to the test. Don't test God. And then there's the final temptation, which is this. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. This makes me think of the Lion King. Remember the Lion King when uh, he took Simba, his dad took Simba up, and he said, all, of that, all that the light touches is our kingdom. So they're at the top of this mountain, and this final temptation is probably one of the biggest I see in our world right now. There are so many who worship people with power and influence because they, in turn, want them to sort of trickle down power and influence, if you will. They follow them around and they worship them and they do whatever they say and they don't, they don't question anything they do or say because they want to be in that the, the, the sort of the fallout of, of their power and influence. They want a little of that to fall on them. We see it with politics. We've seen it with churches, with toxic pastors that, that should have somewhere along the way somebody should have said, wait a second, this is not right. This is not what God would have you to do. And we see that. And we see it in other places where people don't speak up. They follow them around. They become yes men or women because they like being a part of that and having that influence because of who they're following around. But Jesus says to him in this, says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Christians are not called to seek power and influence. We are not called to worship anything or anyone other than God himself. Because Jesus didn't come to seek either of these things. Jesus didn't come to seek power and control and power and influence. He had this unlimited power available to him. He could have made people bow down to him. He could have made people obey him. He didn't have to go to the cross. But he did. Because he did not come to seek power and influence. The influence he had was, not, was because of the power he had, but he used it differently and how he impacted the lives of people by meeting them where they were. That's important for us to think about for a moment, that Jesus had this unlimited power and Jesus had this huge impact and influence some 2,000 years ago, but he didn't do it through controlling people. He did it through influence and how he treated them. It's important for us to think about that. Matthew 6.13 tells us, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All of these things came because Jesus first sought the kingdom. He sought bringing the kingdom of God to earth. But see, we we're also reminded in Matthew a little bit earlier than in chapter 6, in verse 24, that says this, that no one can serve two masters, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Think about the people we see in our world that have power, people that claim Christ, but they also seek power. 
Which thing do you think is the most important to them? Because we cannot serve God and money. We cannot serve God and politics. We cannot serve God in our jobs. We cannot serve God in anything that we're going to place on the same level of God. It's got to be God and then everything else. But the truth is we're going to have trials and temptations. We're going to be tempted with power. We're going to be tempted with the hunger and thirst for things. And these things are often going to come when our guard is down and when we are at our weakest. But we are given help. We're given help of the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit comes and, and works through us and helps us to resist these things. We're given help through Scripture. That's what Jesus quoted Scripture in every one of these things. And we're given something that we often overlook. And I think it's something that people are struggling and hungry for right now. We're given community. We're given people who love and care for us. But none of these things can help us if we're not asking and using them. If we're not praying for God's help, if we're not praying for the Holy Spirit to help us, if we are not studying and learning scripture and devoting time to the things of God, and if we're not making use of the community we've been giving, if we're not reaching out to people when we're struggling and asking for help, if we're asking people to help us be accountable or to keep us accountable, these things are available and it's up to us to use them. But it's also important that we recognize our blind spots. Ever been driving your car down the highway and you start to change lanes and then you realize, well, there's a car there. Now we have those fancy things, those little lights on our mirrors that say there's somebody's over there. My dad's got one of those. I don't. My car's like a 2012. I'm lucky to get where I'm going. But, but we have these fancy things. But, but you ever been and somebody's in your blind spot? That's true in our lives as well. We have blind spots. We have blind spots in our lives where places where Satan can sneak up on us. We're not paying attention. Sometimes those blind spots might be family. It, it might be our job. It could be any number of things. But those places where we kind of don't necessarily pay attention or they don't get the attention that we need. So I encourage you to recognize your blind spots. Those places where you might be weak that Satan might use against you. I want you to pray about those, that God would give you those little automatic things, you know, that you have on these fancy cars now, that God would give you those kinds of things that he would alert you, that the spirit would say, hey, wait a second. It's a blind spot, because I think that's what the spirit helps us do as well. So this morning, as we close, I just want to encourage us to do these things, to be aware, and to make sure that we, we take an assessment of where we stand with things. That when we are tired, when we're worn out, when we're hungry, when we're frustrated and struggling, that when we ask for God's help to seek the opposite things, that we will resist the devil and that he will flee. Let us pray. Dear God, we come to you today. We thank you for the power that we have through you. We just ask that through the refining in our life that we will come out stronger and even more resistant to the wiles of the devil. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.